Hello and welcome to episode 244 of Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy. Okay, Henny. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I've only told you this via text message. We never, we, this is the first time we're actually having a conversation. Okay. So last week, Wednesday. Okay. Actually, it was be officially, it's actually Thursday morning. Okay. No. Oh. Thursday morning. I was, I was, I was really wrecking my brain. I was like, what did you only text me about that we haven't talked about? And then I was thinking like, did you text me about something? And I didn't like respond to it appropriately. And that's no. why we're talking about it now. But now that you say that it was technically, it was yes. Wednesday, but technically Thursday morning, I know exactly what it was. Okay. Okay. I'm yes. with you. Okay. Okay. So I am woken up. No, it was, it was still, I mean, okay, it was still Wednesday night because it was 20 to 12, 10 to okay. 12, something like that. I'm woken up by Phil, like, ah, ah. and so I wake, I'm like, hun, what's wrong? What's wrong? Well, he's thrown his shoulder out. And so it is like out of its socket. Like completely dislocated. Completely dislocated because he slept on his stomach and has his arms up underneath the pillow in front, like underneath him. Right. And he woke up and he couldn't get it back in. So I kind of sit up. He sits up and generally he can like move the arm up over his head and like kind of around, you know, to bring it back in won't every part of it is like cringing all of my joints hurt just thinking about this scenario i'm sitting on the bed watching but i have my fingers over my ears my thumbs are in my ears because i don't want to hear the sound it makes when it goes back in its socket right got it got it so i'm watching and he's trying and he's trying (laughs) and then he like then he decides he's going to lay on the bed because he thinks, okay, if I put it right up, so now he's laying back with no. his arm, but now he can't get it. And, and he's like, he's stuck and it's stuck in a position and he's trying, he's got his arm on, like his other arm trying to bring it down and he's going, I don't know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not at all funny, but it isn't, but he's like, I don't understand why I can't get it back in. And I'm, I'm like, hun, I'm, I'm literally sitting there like, hun, I don't know. As I look at the clock and it's been 30 minutes he's been trying to do this. Oh, my goodness. And so I said, hun, I don't even know what to do to help you. No. So, so anyway, he's like, I said, maybe now he can't get up because he's on his back and he can't get up. And so oh. now I'm on the other side of the bed with the arm that's out thinking he wants me to try and pull on it to see (laughs) oh yeah but I also can't I don't because I'm having my surgery yeah I I can't exert like it takes ab core work to do that and I'm trying to pull him up but on a way like it's not putting too much pressure on me and he he can't really help get up on a no no, it's it's comical now okay at the time (laughs) He's, and I'm, and he's like, oh, oh, and I'm like, oh my! I said, hon, I don't know what to do to help you. I said, I'm, so, I said, hon, we gotta go to the hospital or something. Yeah, I, we we have to go to the hospital. I don't know what to do. And so anyway, we get up, and now he's like, he's like, oh, and he's trying other stuff. And so I said, okay, I'm good. I'm turning the light on, and I'm gonna Google 
So I'm like, got my glasses on. I'm Googling like how to put your arm back in the socket. So we've got all these different methods. I'm trying to tell them. And then I'm like, okay, it says reach the arm out up against a wall. And then you have to cup it forward. And he's like, ah, what does that mean? Cup it. <laughs> it's like, it's like an hour. I said, hon, we need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's like, he keeps saying, "I don't understand why he won't go back." <laughs> like a kid, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my god! And so anyway, we—he's like, "Well, should we take a cab?" I said, "Well, either that or walk." I'm like, "I can't go and get the car out because it takes you. And you've been in the car. It's a it real. Is a, it's a real chore to get that car." in and out of the underground parking and then he's gonna be like you know all discombobulated in the vehicle and no. watch and trying to help me and that's just gonna be a disaster i'm gonna hit no. the side no no okay so but it's also not safe to walk <laughs> it's like after one in the morning at this point yeah so anyway i we, i go okay i'm getting a cab so i get a cabify it's like okay it'll be here in two minutes so, okay we go downstairs the guy our security guys like sound asleep at the desk and like trying to wake him up to open the door for us okay we get out we get in there we get to the hospital which is fine so then we get up there we're at the emergency perfect literally they take him right in I said, okay, I'm just going to wait out here. So I'm sitting there waiting, but I'm also like trying not to fall asleep. My head's bobbing. Anyway, right. they, they take him for an X. He goes, oh, so he walks out. Now he's got a sling and, and with two other people, he goes, they're taking me for an X-ray. I said, okay. So he's going for an X-ray and I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, Jesus, how long is it? But I see, I see this door opening and people, and there's a young guy and he's like running down and he's like grabbing towels and and then he's running back and then there's a girl coming out of there and I'm like are those Phil's feet I can see on the bed like because it's quite a ways away but I can't really see it in the hall and I'm like huh and then I hear kind of like moaning and I'm like what is happening <laughs> honest to god he comes out like a half hour later and he's like well that was an ordeal took three of them three of them so they have it up on the um like they've got an ultrasound going on so they can oh. see where it is oh. on the screen. And then there's a doctor plus like two, I'm not sure what their roles are. They could have been like the floor washer for all I know. Yeah, orderlies maybe or so yeah, nurses they, maybe. They have got um, like a sheet wrapped under his arm. And now the guy is pulling in one direction as they're pulling him in the other. And one person is leaning on the shoulder, like this, the scapula. And they got it back in. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> but all of that to say, we were in and out in an, I, I, an hour and 20 minutes. We were back home. Wow. Yeah, and if they said you made it worse by trying for an hour to do it because your body is, you have to relax. I kept saying to him, hun, you need to like take some, like close your eyes, take some deep breaths. He's like, oh, I don't I said, because that will forces you to slow down your heart rate and yeah. to allow your body to relax because you're tense. And so yeah. you're pushing against your body's already tensing up anyway. Yeah. The, I mean, as soon as we're in the cab home, I'm like, you're like, why did I, why is it working? I mean, we're both <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I'm like, you sound like a little baby. Like, why is it happening? I don't understand. <laughs> and then he's got a sling 
and and I said, okay, he like literally was at a work event on because we recorded Wednesday night. He was at a work event. He didn't yeah. get home till after nine thirty. And like what eight the next morning, you go into work and you have a sling. Like people are like, what happened to you <laughs> <laughs> between when you left here and this? Some some wild nighttime frolicking. Oh my goodness! What 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 a what a! I said, well, that he goes, well, that was a first. I'm like, uh huh, that was a first. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. Well, I'm glad I got the whole uh, reenactment oh. <laughs> and the whole story because I, well, because I woke up on Thursday morning to a text yeah. from you saying it's one thirty in the morning right now. We're in a cab <laughs> on the way to the hospital. And I was like, what? <laughs> we had just talked till nine 30. So, I yeah. know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I was like, I just <laughs> left you. What happened? Oh my goodness. Seriously. What a, what a, what a mess. I said, you know, here's the good thing is that it happened here and not in Canada because you'd still be waiting in the emergencies. Like everybody yeah. else would be coming in. They'd be like, down on the list, down on the list, yeah. down on the list, you know? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyways. Anyway, wow. so that was, you know, our little bit of uh, adventure fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know as it's fun. Definitely an adventure, but not the kind of adventure you want to be having, I think. Henny, so yeah. I sent you a podcast the other day because we you and I both listened to um uh, how to be fine which mm. we've we've spoken about and we've talked about episodes before but they I had I didn't we hadn't talked about a certain episode but then they had like a follow-up um right. episode to it right. and I listened and I had to send it to you because I was like what is happening Henny starts to listen and immediately all she's like is this woman is awful great big capital i think i think i was only like five minutes in like yeah like truly this woman had just started speaking and yeah. and i immediately texted you because it was unreal so okay so let's back up so yeah one of the episodes on how to be fine is called the great divorce is that what it's called yeah yeah and and so they're talking about the uh, the growing incidences of divorces just in general, but especially in uh, in an, an older age group, right? That, that there's a growing number of people who are, I would say, 60 and up. Yeah. yeah who, are, who are now in 2023 or, you know, in, in more recent years are, are getting divorced. So more... Because I think they said that statistically, the rate of divorce has been pretty, uh, pretty stable for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. But that if you look at who it is that's getting divorced, th those numbers are shifting. And yeah. it seems now that there's an increase of older people who are getting divorced. And so then they were having a just they were having a discussion about uh why this might be you know what the like what trends do they notice uh mm -hmm. in in other things too that might be related to this and you know and so it was an interesting conversation and then in the follow-up mm -hmm. uh episode they invited an i don't know a quote-unquote expert i guess on to talk and I don't even know what this woman's like expertise was other than she was touting herself as like a staunch feminist. Yeah. She's a comedian. Yeah. She's a comedian. She's a comedian. Okay. Yeah. But, like, wasn't trying to be funny. 
No, no. But her delivery, you can see that the type of, of humor that she probably gives yeah. or yes. practices. I don't even know what you has, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So before we get to the follow-up that yes. both of us were appalled by, yeah. let's, let's just maybe, is there anything from the original episode where they're talking about divorce and, and older people getting divorced and things like that? Is there anything that you wanted to chat about where that's concerned? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because I do, I mean, I recognize that, um, you know, every marriage is different and, and such. Um, and I'm divorced. I was divorced. So, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, uh, a statistic <laughs> in a, in a statistic, <laughs> statistic group, uh, at one yeah. point, but the, the whole conversation about like needing to decenter men yeah that's what was did 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 the two hosts of the podcast talk about that initially yeah yeah because i re-listened to both of them today okay okay good good good. for this i took some notes okay Um, great because i did not so so i listened to both of them but a few days ago or maybe even a week ago and so i'm glad that you are fresher than me yeah so that we need to to really work to decenter men Right. And not give men the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. I mean, all of this conversation just feels icky to me. Mm. Only because when I hear, and they, they, then there was the term king baby. Yeah. I didn't like that term at all. No. It's like infantile men who are mothered, they want to be mothered by women in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. By weaponizing moodiness, saying, you know, that they want all the praise because they're the quote unquote provider in the family. I know. Here's the thing, like in order to have a, a name for a certain group of people who have these qualities or these characteristics these these people must exist like like i i have no doubt that there are men out there and for all i know women out there also who have these characteristics and who Mm -hmm. are expecting or hoping or insisting on these kinds of behaviors from their spouses for sure 100 percent. but it did the difficulty that i had with this part of it was that it sounded like, and like it's, it sounded like they were suggesting that this is the majority of men. Yeah. And which is interesting to me because both of the women who, who uh, host this podcast, they are both married to men who are not at all in that characteristic based on the stories that they tell and the interactions that you, that you hear, because sometimes you hear them having interactions yes. with their husbands on the podcast. And like, yeah. that is not at all the, like, and so it's interesting for me to have them talking about, Oh yes, like the King baby. And this is what men do. And yeah. this is what men want. And it's like, okay, but the men in your life don't do that or want that. Yeah. So like, that was a weird a, like a weird uh, issue in in what they're like a, a double standard is not the right term, but like it was this strange disconnect, I guess, for me. Yeah, yeah. Also, I I think that when I I mean I 
I'm a, I 100% agree that that traditionally there has been um, different expectations on women than men. Mm -hmm. um, that we are raised that way. Mm -hmm. So boys are raised differently with different expectations. Girls are raised to take care of a home. That has changed or is changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that that traditionally was, you know, what, how we were raised, how I was raised. Mm -hmm. But also if, if you, I, I just think it, what it, what it made me feel icky. Here's why I felt icky. Yeah. Tell, I me, felt, tell me. Okay. All of that mumble jumbo. I felt icky because all I can hear is that women allow it to happen. Don't have a voice. Mm. Don't recognize and have discussions about different behaviors prior to coupling with somebody. And so it's almost, to me, it sounds almost like you're still saying like, oh yeah, you should do this, but you're not giving us any credit. Like, it's like, we don't have the ability or we don't know that we need to do this. Mm. Does that make, do you know, it doesn't make mm -hmm. it, I, I don't think I'm really I wonder if, exactly. Okay. I wonder if some of what you're saying, Sandy, is that, you know, on one hand, they're saying, you know, that the women are taking care of these men and the women are doing all of the things for these men because that's what these men want, these infantilized, you know, adults. Yeah. Um, but then also they're putting the onus on women for it to not be that way. Yes. So it's almost like you're saying, okay, this is a problem and men shouldn't behave like that. And so, okay, women, you shouldn't allow it. Like, yeah. So, so like you're saying there's a problem with men, but then you're telling the women to fix it. Yeah. Or is that, that the icky part? It, the icky part is, is that, well, men are still behaving this way because you're allowing it to happen. Yeah. 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 So it's your fault. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, when, when, I agree. I mean, it's different relationships. Every relationship is unique. Mm -hmm. It operates differently. It is not, it is not, if I'm okay with the way that the relationship and the division of um, duties or chores or responsibilities is probably a better word, um, tasks in the house mm -hmm. work. It's not, it isn't, nobody else can tell me that that's not, you know, that's not the way it should be, that you're doing something wrong, that you're just allowing this type of behavior to continue. Mm -hmm. I think it was that they don't really give you any solutions. There was yeah. no solutions to this. Like there was yeah. no, like, these are the things that we should do because you can't just expect things to change immediately. Mm -hmm. And the, the term, the king baby, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I jokingly, because then I told Phil, and then on the weekend, there was a couple of times, and I'm like, oh, okay, king baby, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, we just laughed about it, but I mean, yeah, of course. I, I don't think he's a king baby at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I think that it was, I agree with with everything that you're saying and i and i'm with you i i also found the the king baby particularly icky but i think that like it it had me thinking about uh 
divi- like the division of labor in my household growing up and the mm-hmm. division of labor in my household, like in my own home now, like, and how, like how things are split between like, even like how Mark and I split things. Right. And so, and I was thinking about it because I grew up in a household where both my parents worked outside of the home my whole life. And because of the jobs that they did, my mom worked nights. And so my dad was the one who was home with us. And so my dad did the majority of the cooking and the cleaning and the in the housework and the out of the housework. And like, he did all of that stuff because my mom was at work, Yeah, you know, and then, um, and then she would come home and go to sleep and he would go to work. Yeah. Right. And so, so I grew up with that as a role model, right? Like my, I, my role models, my parental role models were both working outside of the home. They were doing different things. Um, they, you know, my mom had multiple jobs and my dad was the one who did the, the, a lot of the childcare and, like the cooking and the cleaning and all of those things. My, my, my dad is a much better cook than my mom is. Yep. Um, and you know, and so like, that's just, that was what I was used to seeing. And, and so I always thought, and even like, as my brothers, as my brothers met people and got married, three of my brothers are married and two of them do the majority of the housework inside and outside of the house yeah um one of them is a little in what you would uh, understand to be a little more of a traditional household where where my sister-in-law does a lot of the inside stuff and he does the outside stuff but but the other two i mean very similar to my dad like they they do all of it And, and so i sort of i almost assumed for myself that when i was in a relationship that i would not do that stuff because I wasn't used to seeing my mom do it. Right. Right. And then I find myself in a relationship where I do actually do most of that stuff. Like I do the majority of the cooking. And as far as the cleaning is concerned, I also do the majority of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe not as much as with the cooking, but, but then, so I was thinking about that, like, Oh, it's so interesting. Like, you know, I do all of that stuff. I never thought for myself that I would do it because I never saw that being, I, I, not that I never saw it being done. And so I never, I mean, when I was a kid, trust me, I had to do it. I did lots of cooking and lots of cleaning as a kid, right? (laughs) Um, But I, but I saw another way. Like I saw that there was another way for it to happen. And so it wasn't like, this is what I saw and this is what I thought I had to do. I know And I have always known that I don't have to do that in a relationship. And yet I do. And so I was thinking about it, like, what is that? And I, and I decided that I think it's because I just do that stuff. Like, like even when I am at, like, if I go, if I go to my parents' house and we're having a get together with my whole family, I'm the one who's doing it. I'm mm. the one who's putting the food out on the table. I'm the one who's like, I'm the first person to get up to start cleaning it up. Like, like I'm just the person, like it's just a part of me to do that stuff. So no wonder at home, I'm the one who's doing it because I'm just used to doing it, you know, like yeah. it's, and so it's, I don't think it, 
is necessarily even anything to do. I, I don't, in my case, I don't think it's a matter of male or female or a matter of even in a relationship or not in a relationship. It's just, I'm a person who does those things. I mean, well, not those no. things, everything. Yeah. I'm a yeah. person who does stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, but, so, but what, how was your dad raised? Um, my Nana was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. She did a lot of like baking and stuff like that, that she did like sell on the side Mm -hmm. to make a little bit of pocket money. She did all of the, the, she did all of the finances for my, like for the household. And she also helped my, so my grandpa owned his own business and my Nana helped with the finances for the business, like with the accounting and stuff. Um, but, but she was a stay at home mom for the most part. And he worked outside of the home. So, yeah. But what did but, your, I mean, but what's my, your dad's my, role? How was he, that's why I'm asking, like, how yeah. would he have even known? Like, it'd I be interesting that. to know if there was a discussion yeah. once your parents got married of how, like, what was it like before, before children? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, my, so my, I know that my dad growing up that he did a lot of cooking with my Nana, like that was a a thing that they, that they did together. So, um, so I think that that was something that like he did because he liked it. Cause that's the other thing is like with the cooking in particular, I like to do it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think I think I mean. So, I can think about that. I was raised completely different. Yeah, my father did nothing. Yeah. He went. He did. He went to work and he cut the lawn. He did the. He did, and he, he cut the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom did all of the trimming of the lawn. Like, and she would help, like, shovel the snow. My dad did the majority of that. Right. I mean, those type of. And my dad worked shift work, so it wasn't like. Like, you know, he's the only guy taking the garbage out or whatever. Like, you know, my mom would have done it until my brother and I were old enough to do it. But my mom did all of the stuff inside, uh, but she was a stay-at-home mom. They were also very young. They were also boomers. Yeah. Um, And so very traditional roles Mm -hmm. and upbringing and expectations. However, like I can think about growing up. I mean, I can see, it used to, my mom, I remember like, you know, when I was in my 20s, if I was going shopping with my mom or something, and I, and I when I moved out, and I would say, oh, and she's like, oh, well, we have to be home at so-and-so, because your dad has to have something for lunch. Mm-hmm. I was, I remember saying to her, I mean, I just saw the man, if he missed a meal, it ain't going to kill him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for like, real. I, I said, like, uh, if he's hungry, he'll get something. Yeah. I mean, he's not an invalid. Yeah. But she would get up, Henny. If my dad worked days and he was up at like five, he would have a bowl of cereal. My mother would get up and pour his cereal and make him a coffee and Mm. pour the milk and everything in. And my father is the grumpiest grump in the morning. He does not speak. He grunts at you. And then she would be all mad because he didn't say anything to her. But he isn't going to. He's grumpy. You don't talk to the man. And, and so, like, in that cereal, in that specific instance, do you think the idea of decentering men is really what needs to be looked at? Like, like, did your mom, did your mom, 
I hesitate to use the word need, like what your mom needed, but like, did your mom need to be empowered enough to recognize that, that she didn't have to do those things? That's the thing. She didn't know. No. And I, I've, you know, I've said that to her before, like, you know, since then, like dad would have just got him. It wasn't like my dad. I never got the impression because I also don't, you know, as a child, right. don't really know what the relationship Correct. was like, and what right. happened. Right. But I can honestly tell you that there was never a time when my father said, where's the food? When, what, you know, any, I never heard my father say that. I saw my mother running around and my dad would be downstairs and she would be like, do you want a bowl of ice cream? And he, she would go and get it for him. Yeah. So she trained him to be that way as, as they, um, as I got older and they were married longer, she really resented that, but she created that monster. Yeah. It's you know, tricky. it's tricky. And it's tricky because like to us, because, because I think like it's the monsters created together, right? Because she offered yes. to do it, but he could have said, no, I'll do it myself. Right. But he right? also had a mother who she, and my grandmother didn't, I don't know. My grandmother was not a real lovey touchy feely mother she was great to me she was but not to them and Mm -hmm. so yeah i i don't i don't know where that all sort of stemmed from i mean it's something and and like this idea because in on one hand to use the phrase like we need to decenter men i I say, yes, I think we do. I think we, I mean, we live in a patriarchal society. Like we Mm -hmm. live in a society that always centered men in the same way that we live in a society that always centered whiteness and always centered able bodies and always centered thin bodies and always like, you know, like, like all of these things, our society certainly in our North American society, since the Europeans have come here, like this is what we have centered. This is what has been the norm. It's been like, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. it's been the, the ideal. It's been the expected. It's been, you know, what we, you know, assume to, to be the case. Right. And so I do think that there is something to be said for decentering men. Um, and, and especially when you, when you look at data and I, I don't, if I'm misquoting this, I apologize. And maybe someone who, who is listening knows the study that I'm talking about, but at some point I came across a study where they looked at the, uh, I don't know if it was the happiness or contentedness, but you know, the general satisfaction between men and women in different relationships Mm. and so they looked at satisfaction with men and women in heterosexual relationships if they were not married and then also if they Mm -hmm. were married Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. they did the same with women in same-sex marriages and same-sex relationships Mm. and the same with men in these same-sex same-sex partnerships and the people who were the most discontented the people who seemed to be hurt I, I mean seem to be hurting the most were women in heterosexual marriages yes <laughs> and so like there's something about uh that there's something about men 
in a heterosexual relationship that that there that there's a there's an unbalance for some reason like there there's a dis equilibrium you know like yeah. some, something is something is a muck and so i think there's something to decentering men now when the host of the podcast invited this you know quote unquote expert on the following week to yeah. do like a little follow up i mean i i don't know like i think she thought she was talking about decentering men i don't know what she was talking about yeah. <laughs> so so I don't know if maybe you want to get into that a little bit or if there's something else you're thinking about. Yeah. No, I I yeah. She Okay, first of all, I've never heard of a wedding ring being referred to as the shut up ring. I'd never heard that before either. What what does that even mean? Honestly, this woman sounded angry she sounded very <laughs> angry and, and very jaded and yeah. very uh uh vengeful yeah. <laughs> against men yeah like yeah. like i feel like she must have had um a really toxic relationship with a man that went very poorly and where she was very mistreated and and now she's angry about it and she yes. has every right to be angry about that relationship but she has taken that in my perspective she's taken that to you know spew vitriol against all men in the entire world yes. which seems yes. a little extreme yeah. she's like why would i get married so that you can just like systemically oppress me i, I just like, <laughs> like it was a okay. little extreme it was very extreme. It was just very extreme. Just she was touch. talking about, I, I mean, she was referring also to like, uh, you know, you see it often like the little cake smash at a wedding, you know? So the bride kind of like puts a little bit of cake in her, her groom's mouth. And then he takes like a whole piece and smashes it in her, in her face. And it's like, because men are bitter, they, didn't want to get married and this is the way I was like what are you even talking about to me yeah. once again it sounds like maybe she got married to a man yeah. who didn't want to get married and now <laughs> she is projecting that on all men ever oh, in the history goodness. of the world yeah 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 yes anyway she yeah that was that was she was she was a little bit over the over the top. the The discussion about the boomers was interesting, and I've thought mm -hmm. about that because my okay. parents my parents have been divorced officially divorced for a year. I was going to say very recently, and they would so they were married officially married for fifty eight years, mm -hmm. and separated on and off probably for 15 or 16 of those on yeah. off on off um and for sure i mean i know that when i was getting when i was separating um and I told my parents that i was getting divorced my mom literally said to me you've done something that i could never do mm. literally what she said to me yeah and that was you know, in 1996. Right. So, Were you shocked when she said that? Uh, not really. Okay. I would, my parents were odd. Like they, they, 
I wouldn't, they didn't grow up with them, like having people that could communicate well to each other and really chat, but they were so social. Like they did a lot of stuff. Like they liked okay. to go to like dances and they played cards and they belonged to a camping club. So there okay. was, a, they bowled. There was a lot of that type of stuff that they did together. Yeah. Um, I think that neither one of them uh, just, uh, wanted to take that big step. My mom felt that she was trapped because she never worked. She didn't have anything. Right. Um, it was nothing like a support system, but she never looked for one either, you know, mm -hmm. which is just basically her personality. And mm -hmm. so now they're divorced. And my father just got to a point where he said, like, I don't know how long I have to live and I just want to do things that are fun and be happy. Yeah. And so that's what he's doing now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm. for that mm -hmm. you know I mean I think about myself and um there was an example I think they had someone call in where said that they're oh no it was actually one of the hosts where her mother found out that the father hadn't taken some of their money and invested it yeah. which is yeah. exactly what my first husband did you know, and I and for months, he, he must have been terrified when he was waiting every month for the statement to come. And I happened to be my mom happened to be at my house when I got the mail and found out that, you know, he had taken like ten thousand dollars and invested it in stuff that was worth like five hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and so there's a trust issue and stuff there, you know, that that was kind of like the beginning of the of the end. Yeah, but yeah. but both I mean. My first husband also did stuff around the house. It wasn't right. a, I don't remember us having a discussion of, di of a division of duties though. Right. Right. Um, but I did the majority of the cooking and probably just because I assumed that role, but I was yeah. never resentful of that or felt yeah. I did too much or it wasn't fair. Yeah. Looking back, can I say, even in my current marriage, when I was working full time and the kids were young and, you know, whatever, that I should have probably been more vocal about stuff. Right. Because it was a lot. But I do think that just as you are the person in your family, uh, you know, and in your own home, that one person has to be the one that kind of holds everything together. Yeah. You have to. Otherwise, there's assumptions made about things and things fall through the cracks. Mm hmm. And so the, I think the, the key is, is that you have to have open dialogue and conversation about things. Mm -hmm. Also not be so hung up on if something isn't done to the way that you would do it. There are many ways to have things done and you need to decide what is more important to you is having the extra time just to chill out and relax or that someone didn't pull a piece of furniture out and vacuum behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and so I as as I listened again today, I thought about these things and I know childcare for me was the one thing I remember at one point saying to Phil, like he would come home and he'd be like, I have to go on a business trip and I'll be gone for a week. And then it's like this and like it never even occurred to him. Is how are we going to like what is going to happen with the kids when mm -hmm. he's out of the country and I'm at work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he'd never had to do it. He didn't even, it didn't never even entered his mind to do, yeah, to think about yeah, it. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't, I was never resentful about it. And even now, honey, I don't even work. I don't work. Mm -hmm. I have little to do. I have very little responsibility. Mm -hmm. I 
don't feel resentful about being the person that is doing the prep and the food planning and the, mm-hmm. the majority of the stuff. Phil, do, Phil cleans up from dinner every single night. Mm-hmm. He's worked all day. Yeah. I, I don't feel bad about it. And, and if, if I go to get stuff, he's like, no, I'm going to take care of it. And yeah. he goes and does it. So yeah. he does laundry. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he would vacuum, I mean, but we do have a cleaning lady. So yeah. it comes in once a week. I mean, but there are certain things that he, he does pick up and do, but we've never had a discussion. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with whether or not you marry someone or you couple with somebody who has lived on their own. Mm. Whether or not they come from their family, like their childhood home directly into into a relationship yeah there was the one thing that i did pick up on which i thought was really interesting was they she she made a an observation about being at a friend's and it was a birthday party and saying that the kids were going to have cupcakes and then watched as the two girls went and got their cupcakes they had their napkin they sat down they peeled the paper off and they ate it and the boys just sat there and waited for their mother to go and get it and to bring it to them and yeah. i remember i remember listening to that story and thinking that has nothing to do with girls and boys and everything to do with the kids themselves well, but it could be, but we don't know that because that could be that that has what the mother has always done. But that's what I mean. Like, that's, yes. that's why I thought like, like I never, th- I, when I heard her tell that story as an example of yeah. like girls doing things and boys doing nothing, I was like, okay, but I don't see that as an example of girls doing things and boys doing nothing. I see that as an example of these two boys, their mother serves them. Well, and that's the thing. And so it did remind, like I did think about, you have to, traditionally, the way that we have raised kids, which is what I, you know, I think I started in the beginning when I said that, was yeah. like, girls are raised to do certain things and awesome. boys, right? Yeah. And so when you, you have to really be aware of, of the subtle things that you say, that you do, that you expect, because there are, you grow up and it's not necessarily their, your fault if this is what you've been exposed to. Just like you grew up in a home where your father did the majority of, of the, the, household the household tasks and the child raising. But if you never went to anyone else's house or were exposed to other things, you would just think that's the way it is in everyone's house. Yeah. I mean, I was very aware that that was not how most houses operated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, well, because like even one of the things is like my, I used to have like, until I was 16, I had super, super long hair, like, like down to my, like down to my bottom. Like I could sit on it long, long hair. And I always wore it in a braid, in a single braid, You usually in a single braid. Well, it, there was so much hair and it was so long that as a kid, I couldn't, like I couldn't manage it myself. My yeah. dad used to braid my hair every morning. Yeah. You know? And so I remember like whenever people would say something about my hair, like, Oh, who did your hair? And I would say yeah. like my dad and they'd be like, your dad, like your dad braided it. And I'd be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like for me it was normal, but I quickly learned that no one else thought it was normal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you learn those things as kids, right? Sure. Whether you should be learning them or not, or whether people mean to teach you them or not, right? You, yeah. you learn those things for sure. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and it's so just going back to like the boomers with the divorce rates, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that part of it, like even thinking about my, my mom is that there is a point that if, if it is a situation where there, um, uh, the, the, the wife was a stay at home mom is that there, there can be the, fear and not just the fear but the actual the, the, the situation is true that they didn't have access to the money to be yeah. able to go and to do something and so as we uh, as things have changed and that most homes don't have a there's not one one parent that stays at home mm-hmm. that you we all have access to our own funds mm-hmm. generally I mean I would you know, it's interesting, and we, I've talked about this before, even to see how my two sons and their marriages, how they're, like, they have very independent women that they are married to. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing that they have their own bank accounts that are separate, that they have their own credit cards. I mean, I have to use and maintain my own credit card because if something was to happen to Phil, I would not be able to get a credit card. And yeah. so I have to have access to that. Yeah. Um, but it, maybe that's why divorce rates have gone up. Like at, at, there was a certain point and now that they have is because people are at a point in their life where they now know that the combined amount that they have, that there's enough money for them to split their assets. Right. And they can be financially stable and be apart. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. So it was, it was, it was very, it was interesting. And I have heard, cause it wasn't just the, the term, there was also a term called the gray divorce, which yes. is really in sync with that. Yeah. Just the fact that it's older people getting divorced, right? Yes. Gray divorce. It's, yeah. it's fascinating to me that this is the conversation we're having because I literally started a new book yesterday. Okay. And the book is called, you could make this place beautiful by Maggie Smith. And okay. she is a poet and yeah. and it's it's her memoir this book is a memoir so she's published other books and and books of poetry and uh but this is um her memoir and it's i mean i'm i'm about i'm almost halfway and so yeah. far the entirety of the memoir is about her divorce really like her deciding like her mm when the relationship was failing and then her just like when the divorce decision happened and then like how long that took and then like looking in retrospect like when Mm. did the relationship actually start to fail and yeah like and just and it is it's really a fascinating read especially on the tail end of listening to this podcast and now in the middle of having this conversation with you like it's really interesting because she also talks about um you know that she is a writer and so she was so she said she's like I was a stay-at-home mom but she said really I was a work from home mom like yeah like, because I was working like I was taking care of my children which is work but I also was doing outside of the homework, but I was working from home because I'm a writer. And yeah. so 
she's like, my husband was going out of the home to work, but I'm still working. And, and she's like, and that was like, before we had children that worked just fine. And then when we had children, it worked all right too. But then because she's a writer, she said, periodically she's like I would have to go away on business because Mm. I would have a speaking engagement or I would have a writer's conference or I would you know and and so she said and every time I had to go away my husband was angry at me because I was leaving him like off to my you know weekend away or week away Mm -hmm. and I was leaving him at home with the kids to manage his job and the kids but she said that's what I was doing every day like I was managing my full-time job and the kids every day all day and and then when I would go away and and she said and I didn't resent him for it she's like that was how it was Mm. and you know and so like just hearing her have that like I literally heard her say that in the memoir earlier this morning. And now to have this conversation with you and it's sort of the same thing. It seems like it's kismet a little bit, like it's all going together, but it just gives you this fuller picture of the things that we expect, the things that we allow, the things that we are a part of, the things that we do and resent, Yeah, (laughs) you know, and then also you know, the idea that our perspective of a situation is not the same necessarily as someone else's perspective Mm -hmm. of the exact same situation. Yeah. You know, like, like she, she had this one story where she was talking about being away at a writer's convention for a weekend. It was a three day thing. She was away. And the first night she was away, she got a phone call from her husband saying that her son had a fever and she needed to come home right then and there. And so she was angry that she had to cut her trip short, but she did come home. She said, but by the time I got home, like my son's fever was gone. Like he was fine. Yeah. And so she's like, why could my husband not deal with this? But like, he'd never had to deal with it before because she'd always done it. But like, is that her fault? No. Is it his fault? I mean, I, not really. I mean, it's, it's no one's fault really, but but what happened? Like there's, there's some communication failing. There's some, I mean, I think, I think mostly it's just a, a misunderstanding of the, of the scenario and what actually has to happen. Like a, a, a lack of problem solving really. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and in this in the example, like just what you've said, yeah. is that really she has just perpetuated this this type of behavior to go because she did what he wanted. Yeah. She came home instead yeah. of saying, no, this is what you need to do and teaching and so that that he now has that skill. So that's that does happen, though. That's sometimes and then we get annoyed, pissed off, resentment, but we continue. We don't there's no solution. We just give in and then just feel pissy about it. They walk away. It's like the monkey on our back. You know, someone's like, whoo, I got this problem. You go, okay, I'll take care of it. They're like, whoo, feel great now walking away. And nobody, that person hasn't learned anything. 
No. You know? But it's also tricky because it's putting the onus on the person who's already doing more to do yes. even more. Because well. now I'm already the person who's doing all this extra stuff. And now you're telling me that I have to teach you how to do this, you know? But, yeah. but the reality is that, yes, you do. Unfortunately, fortunately yeah. or unfortunately. Correct. It, I mean, it, it, that's, it's life. Hey. No, I, I, I can remember getting phone calls where Phil be like, um, we're at, are we at a coffee? And I'd be at work and be like, no, second shelf, pull the thing of peanut butter and in behind. Like, you know, I mean, it was a, it's a joke. He says, oh, uh, I can't find him. I'm like, boo, here it is. It's going to jump out at you. Hey, Phil! I'm right here. No. Like, why am I, why am I at work? And I'm like, second shelf three cans to the left you know like seriously oh, I know. so funny can i tell you i just want to end with this because i've sure. always thought that i was a boomer oh thought, you thought you were a boomer because honey i was born in 1965 and a lot and there are have some i know because i have checked this because my father is 46 he's okay. the first he's the beginning okay and i was the end and then when I was looking up this whole boomer thing, I'm like, oh, I'm a Gen X. <laughs> okay, so what so what is the so what is the year range for boomers? 46 to 64. I was gonna say, because my parents are boomers also. Yeah. Like your parents are boomers, but so are yeah. mine. They're just on the yeah. younger end of it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so I never would have guessed, I never would have put you in that category. Yes, but I was I was born in sixty five, so I yeah, sixty five to nineteen eighty. Then you were a Gen X. I'm a okay, Gen X. so so here is tricky, and and I get very there are a few things that I like really get agitated about, but this is one of them. So Gen X is sixty five to eighty. I understand that, but yeah. millennials yeah. do not start at eighty one. Millennials actually start at 85 or 86, depending well, on what you learn. So, so what happened to the middle there? Okay. There is this tiny little pocket uh, in which I am that is, depending on where you look, sometimes yep. they just send with millennials, but we're not. And so what it's at, we're actually zennials. So the word starts with an X. Okay. Okay. And so this is the group from 81 to 85. This tiny little group, the reason that we're we're not quite we're not quite millennial is because we didn't grow up with the internet. Oh. Right? Because if you were born in the early 80s, I mean you uh, you're not the same generation as someone who was born in 65. I understand that, but also I didn't grow up with the internet like people who were born in 1990 did. And that is a huge difference. And so I, I get very, I get my back up a little bit when people call me a millennial because I'm not a millennial. But I also recognize, like I get it, if people don't want me to group myself, lump myself in with the Gen Xs, I get it. But then please allow me to be a Xennial. Okay, Henny, I'm looking at multiple things. And I think these things have changed because every single one says 81 is a, is a millennial. Every single one. It's not. I okay. I'm gonna. I have to look. Is there a zennial? <laughs> so is that like a zennia? Zennia? 
It's like uh, I think people people typically typically consider the Zennial generation to include this is like 1977 and 83. Oh, there you go. Well, so it's a little bit it's a little bit wider than I thought. But so it's, this is a group. This is a group that was pre-internet, but post Gen X. Okay, it says individuals in this generation experienced the economic recession, but most were too young at the time to own their own homes. Xennials are the micro generation of people on the cusp. Many researchers in popular media birth use this 77 through 84. Those some That's me. So some say 75 to 85. That's me. That's me right there. Boom, Xennial. <laughs> and I feel very strongly about it. It says, if you feel sort of, but not quite like a millennial and sort of, but not quite like a Gen Xer, take cart. You might be a Xennial. See? A micro generation. It was coined in 2014. So I actually feel, I, if you said, here are the characteristics of millennial and here's Gen X, I associate very heavily with Gen X very heavily i think probably partly because of my personality partly because of my upbringing but yeah. but definitely that's what i that's where i where i feel that i fall but to to have this understanding that there's a micro generation this makes sense to me and i'm willing to accept it i'm going to tell you something else is going to make please, you mad but please don't call me a millennial <laughs> okay. okay so this is another one this is from may 19th 2021 uh-huh Bo boomers are are that says 1846 to 64. Really? Okay. Uh, Generation X is 65 to 80. Uh -huh. Millennials are born 81 to 96. But now early millennials, those born between 80 and 85, have been given a new moniker. A new subgroup have been named geriatric millennials. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. And you know what? You know what? If that's all I get, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Net always laughs at me because she thinks that I always dress like a grandma. So she'll, I, I'm okay. I'm okay to be a geriatric millennial. <laughs> 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 Just don't group me in with all of them, okay? Okay, no problem. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, well, Danny, that was um, a really great conversation and super fun at the end there thank you for yeah. that <laughs> you're very welcome i mean it's my my pleasure to make you smile so <laughs> yeah well ditto <laughs> yeah 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 oh my goodness okay well um you enjoy the rest of your evening thank you everyone who's uh if you're still listening we appreciate it and um i don't know i think the question you should ask honey is is whether people you know identify as a uh oh what generation yeah <laughs> geriatric <laughs> millennial or just the regular old run-of-the-mill millennial yeah exactly okay. gotcha 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 <laughs> and uh, when we talk next it will be 2024 Woo, that's exciting mm -hmm. so happy holidays everyone and we yes. will talk to you in the new year all right. Okie dokie. Very <laughs> exciting. Okay. Bye. Ciao.